Dave just got a 3D printer, so he's gushing over new technology, as he usually does. And uh, it's a factor of old guys can learn new tricks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we look forward to see his uh, experience with uh, his 3D printer. So that's super fun. But uh, to get us kick-started this evening, um, we've got uh, a couple fun items from... Uh, well, one fun item from the FAA, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But, uh, Dan, do you have the link to our YouTube video? That... Oh, gosh. Sure. <laughs> Just take me a moment here. That's okay. So, yeah, it's uh, a very special, awesome the... new video. Yeah, so we reached out to the uh, community and maybe see if you can share, see if it'll work a little better than mine, because we all know how video works on my screen, so... Oh, I love the love the title screen. It's great. All right. Let's see. Let me see if I can get this to run here. Let me open this up. And we definitely are open to ideas from everybody here as to how to get uh, how to share this video, how to get more people to see it, raise awareness, um, you know, just spread the word, get it to be super popular. I think we could do YouTube now, right? Hold on, let's try it like this. Can we do it like this? Is there like a special you YouTube know, sharing in this? You got uh -huh, it, Blunt? Yeah. yeah, let me try something. Okay. Can people see that? Oh, I have to click, let's see, watch yep. together? Oh, what does that do? Oh, is it automatic or is it, or do you have to like join a thing? Okay, yeah. Huh. If oh, you have I to can... join it, then it's not useful. I just click join activity, watch together. Yep. Where did that show up? Then I have to authorize. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of steps. Barriers. Okay. A lot of stuff that I'm not going to read. <laughs> but click anyway. Yep, I just gave Discord the ability to wipe my computer, I think. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's try the old way. I guess. Hopefully, yeah, first it'll that. alter your video settings. That'll, that would only be fair. Bear with us, guys. Um, I can do so while they're, so while they're looking to bring this up, the, uh, what, the, what the guys yeah. did is they sent, um, we've gotten to know a lot of people in the community over the last couple of years. And uh, so we've, we went around and asked if they would uh, please say uh, the statement that we worked up and uh, do it, send us a quick video clip. And uh, so we got back and or they sent it back. And then uh, I think, Dan, you uh, edited uh, everything together and pieced it, and I, I like love the way it uh, it came together. So, hopefully, just as uh, you were saying, hopefully this keeps the uh, the momentum going and uh, encourages some uh, more people to uh, send memos to their congressional representative, singular, and their two senators. Can you see that? Is that yep, you got it up there. Is it full screened or no? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Every day there are hundreds of thousands of drone and RC model aircraft users who are getting closer to losing their freedoms to be able to fly where they always have. The new remote ID rules will add a monetary and technological burden to all of these hobbyists just trying to get out and enjoy the hobby. This also affects schools where children in STEM programs will no longer be allowed to continue without the same burden. But there is a solution. Go to RaisingTheLimit.org and send a message to your congressional representatives and senators. To say no to the 250 gram registration limit. And yes, 
to a new limit of one kilogram. Meaning most of these hobbyists and children learning can fly and learn the same way they always have. We need you to make sure that this hobby continues to grow and our personal freedoms are upheld. I was I was really hoping to try to get one sentence where like everybody was saying it at the same time all in their little boxes but everyone mm-hmm. has such a different cadence for how fast they talk <laughs> that it just didn't yeah. didn't line up well enough. Uh, no, it looks great. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. That was uh the end uh, anyone who's uh done any uh, video work knows how much uh time and energy something like that requires. So thank you uh gentlemen for uh, putting that together. That was no small feat. Yeah, and definitely thank you to everybody who actually submitted a video. We reached out to a lot of people, and these were the ones that uh, got us a video back in time for us to put this out. Yep. All right. So uh, super important there. Um, Actually, before I get started on that, so we just got some interesting information, and I I rubbed my face for dramatic effect because – uh, information back from the FAA on. But before we go, before we go there. Okay, let's let's go there. We could stick staying on the raise the limit yes. uh, topic. We have the uh, the memo that we want to release uh, to or send or submit to Congress on uh, uh, Friday, and mm-hmm. we'd like to get that up on our website. Uh, was that today or tomorrow? It's up. Well, it, it there's. It's sort of up on our website. Um, if you go to our website for the first time, you'll get this like pop-up window that tells you about it. So explain a little bit more for, for people who aren't following uh, along here. Absolutely. What is this document and why should they take a look at it? Okay. So we've asked everyone to send a copy and paste memo that's a summary and we thought a good... Um, an abstraction, all right, not as detailed uh, a memo to congressional representatives and senators, because we knew that we had to cover uh, staff that was uh, working on the aviation subcommittees, plural, and those who are not. And so, as we've been saying, we've been working with the uh, congressional um, aviation subcommittee in the House, and we're about to send a more detailed memo. Uh, up and then the idea would be we're requesting Congress to incorporate uh, these requests into the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2023, which uh, hopefully will be through the House by the end of June. Uh, a parallel bill is being developed in the Senate, and uh, we will send the same uh, document uh, that Dan was referencing up to the Senate uh, Aviation Subcommittee. And hopefully some of these items will be picked up. Obviously, the number one topic is uh, raising the limit. We've also incorporated uh, FRIA. And so it's, uh, it's uh, I think, seven pages. So it's uh, rather in-depth. And so this speaks to uh, the experience that we've gained over the last four years. And this will be uh, signed off and authored from uh, FPV Freedom Coalition as well as Flight Test Community Association. So both teams have had a shot at uh, looking at that, and what we w- what we welcome is uh, any comments over the next couple days. We really want to get this done and get it up to uh, submitted to Congress by Friday, because we know we are running out of time because they're up against a a deadline uh, to get those bills uh, passed. 
Yeah. So just really Better. briefly paraphrasing what you just said, the FPV Freedom Coalition and FTCA worked together, created this document that we're going to send hopefully this Friday or Saturday real soon to our contacts at Congress who are working on the FAA Reauthorization Act. And before we send it, we want all of you to take a look at it and give us any advice and suggest changes before it's too late. So these oh, were, Josh, yeah. Josh, this was the positive news. Yes, <laughs> very positive news. I apologize for skimming over No, it. not at all, not at all. Um, sorry, I've been out of it lately. So uh, I've got some personal stuff that popped up this last couple of weeks. So um, I'm a little behind on some of this stuff. So I'm, I'm rushing to catch up. So um, this was definitely a positive. Obviously, a couple key points here, uh, as Dave mentioned, uh, raising the limit from 250 grams to one kilogram. This is our, our biggest push, um, in which we kind of cite uh, the history of uh, our safety record, uh, the history of the 250 gram uh, limit, and why it's kind of bunk. Um, and then, uh, you know what the what the future should be which is target level of safety in which things like uh well there was an entire um aac uh committee uh formed around uh this in terms of target level of safety and and taking into account things like uh materials and uh actual you know science behind uh what happens in an impact with one of these things, as well as, you know, taking into account uh, broadcast modules and their cost um, or predictive cost, I think. Um, so, and then uh, free a process, which addresses, you know, uh, the things that are going forward with, with free is in terms of speed of uh, approvals and um, the, uh, rationale behind what the FAA is saying in terms of how many there should be versus how many there actually needs to be, um, that kind of stuff. So um, did I get all that right? Yep. And there, we should also mention that there's a nuance in the, and this is a difference from the memo, which talked a little bit in generalities, but used the specific word raise the registration lower bound. In the memo that uh, we've just posted, you'll see that there is a, a section called uh, additional considerations that references a manufacturing lower bound. If Congress and then the FAA were to raise that, that would apply to all manufactured drones and bind and fly uh, that, that are required to use standard remote ID uh, as well as part 107. So that would uh, raise uh, the registration requirement for manufacturing uh, and have a remote ID uh, knock-on uh, benefit uh, for that category. Uh, and so we've tried to be all-encompassing uh, and, and sweep in every, uh, everything that we were uh, thinking of in this mass, this uh, 250, you know, uh, up to now one kilogram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically we're saying we want the registration limit raised to, two, or to one kilogram and for consistency, we think they should change everywhere that it says 250 grams up to one kilogram. And that will also give us all those other benefits like having the, the manufacturer drones not required remote ID unless they're over a kilogram. And it just, just makes sense because it should be consistent and there's really no extra danger 
on anything that's that size. So please, Congress, just do it. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please. So again, pretty, the pretty, process please. goes... Right. So the process goes like this. So if we get the, this out, we can get these possible changes into the language uh, before it goes out. Then that's where we want to be in terms of uh, first steps. Now, if we can't, then we start focusing on uh, the amendments process. And, and we've covered this before, I think, in several different meetings. Um, but uh, obviously, the first best case would be going this route. So um there's a lot of people behind this movement there's obviously uh you know videos have gone out um our video has gone out um you know with support behind this so you know this is this is akin to uh what we can accomplish for the next reauthorization to continually make it easier to for people to get into the hobby to lower the the barriers of entry um and so on and so forth to to really kind of solidify right. the hot, hobby even more so and, and what you were just on is the timing is important because we're mm -hmm. coming up on the reauthorization act of 2023 this happens once every five years mm -hmm. uh, for the faa to be reauthorized and that is a budget as well as a series of mandates they are action items from congress to which is telling them what they will get done over the next five years uh, the obvious is, so great, this bill passes, and then this is going to be changed in November, right? Yeah, not not, uh, not at the speed uh, that the FAA works. And obviously, we're hoping that our letter gets to the people writing this legislation. And then when it comes time for our, all of our representatives and congressmen to be voting on it, they'll see that addition and know that, oh, all these people were writing me about this thing. I'm going to make sure that right. stays in there, or I'm not going to make sure no one takes it out, whatever. Um, hopefully, they all agree with us, and that's how, how it works. Here, here. Well, well so, said, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> so now here's the, the flip side to all this fun news is uh, we've just received word today from the FAA, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, at this point, leave names out of it. But um, so uh, we were requested to modify our safety guidelines to take into account specifically uh, night flying, FPV racing, and, and, that's, and, it. that's, and it. that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, so, you, know, you know, the guidelines that were just approved a few months ago? Yeah. So, you know, when we became a CBO and all that got approved by them. So now they're coming back and saying, you need to change this, this, and this. And originally didn't give us, you know, specifics on exactly what needed to be changed. So, but, but cited obviously the advisory circular for information. So we made some modifications and, um, as we have talked about before, the FPVFC believes in, uh, really focusing on the judgment of the operator in terms of what they choose to do. Uh, we can recommend certain things, but we don't want to mandate things that actually aren't regulations. And here comes the key point, is that the FAA continues to go down a path of regulating via advisory circular, as opposed to going through the approved process of their, creating their own rulemaking process. Yes. Yep. The government's rulemaking process. It's not just the FAA. This is a government-wide process of doing a notice for proposed proposed rulemaking 
to modify existing regulations, get feedback from the community, get feedback from stakeholders, which you know, admittedly CBOs are, and and make changes that way. Instead, they are choosing to legislate via advisory circular to to get the changes that they see fit, and in the process are negating the fact that there are multiple CBOs that have been approved. And what I mean by that is now there's a case where the the possibility for every CBO, all four of us, I think there's still only four of us, um, that all four of us have the exact same set of safety guidelines, which makes it moot to the fact that there should be four of us or five or six or 10. All right, why not just... In, incorporate it all under one yeah the whole idea of a cbo is hey your guys you guys are the experts on your community so you should make the rules about your community right yeah no that that's not the case anymore so Mm uh we're going to continue to look at this we're not i'm not going to go into detail on on what they're asking what they're you know asking us to do uh, but the fact that they choose to legislate via advisory circular, that they are choosing to make each CBO a cookie cutter version of the other one, so much so, in, in fact, to suggest that we copy and paste from somebody else's safety guidelines um, and uh, go that route, that that's kind of where we're at at this point. So obviously, I mean, you know, there's going to be some pushback and we're going to look at what we can look at. We're going to discuss amongst the team on, on what, you know, the path forward is going to be, but it's, it's just a goofball move from the FAA, you know, who, you know. So, so, so far the benefit of being an FAA recognized CBO is that uh, we get to uh, submit applications for a FRIA. Yeah, that, that's it. Oh, that process is broken. Sure is. Right. Yeah, yeah and if you guys is, can't tell, you know, we're a little frustrated. Josh is very frustrated with this. I'm not salty. It's, it's uh, I'm not salty at all. It just came up very late this afternoon, and so it's like probably the only thing Josh can think about right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, like I said, I'm not salty. I'm, you know, but here's the thing guys is that you know we're not carbon copies of each other each each one of these cbos has a different community base the ama um you know they're they're more dave's version of the crowd um and you know we've got flight test who who focuses on getting people into the hobby at a young age with with ease we've got us who focuses on on multi-rotors and fpv and um and and racing and all that good stuff so there's there's different communities for each one of these and each one of them should be allowed to take uh that community uh into account for the 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 safety guidelines that they're putting out for example we know you might want to use batteries that are bigger than 4s when you race just pointing that out five inch drops (laughs) yeah so still still not updated by the way and, still and reads for us well and it probably will for a while because that's what the faa is looking for so i mean here's the thing is that you know there there needs to be number one more benefit to being a cbo and that comes you know even beyond the free process which is yes broken and continues to be and continues to uh be a pain point for us trying to 
get things moving forward. Um, but even beyond that, being a community stakeholder and, uh, within the FAA to make suggestions, to be heard, um, to, to drive change and to, to not uh, basically stymie the, the, the hobby. And um, I mean, here's the thing is the FAA wants to, I mean, there's a massive shortage of pilots, personnel, um atc operators i mean all this all these different um jobs within aviation there's a massive shortage and they're just creating a bigger shortage by keeping people out of the entry to to those jobs and model aviation is easily the best entry into aviation um and least cost prohibitive way to get into aviation um so it's just i don't know it's yeah we should they just uh, pulled the shotgun and blew their foot off as we've as we've got uh uh, this document still up on the screen if you want to make comments to us please use the uh, uh, contact uh fbvfc or send uh send me an email directly to uh Messina at fpvfc.org. The way this document like is shared, suggestions. Yep, you can yeah. you can give suggestions or comments. This is a separate. I copied our our other document, made a new one, and this one allows people to add the public to add oh. comments to it. But those other so, other ways are know, completely valid as well. Yeah, Great. if you want to know how to do that, up here at the top where it says editing, hopefully you can see this on my screen. You can click this down, click into suggestions, and then you can highlight. Uh, a section, let's say the section right here, you can click on this uh, add comment button in which you can go in and add, you know, change this to this, you know, that kind of thing. Let us know if something doesn't make sense. Let us know if we have any typos we missed. So, um, yeah, please feel free to to make those suggestions. Um, This is very much how we've done things in the past in terms of our uh response to the NPRM for remote ID and all kinds of other uh things that we've we've worked on with the community. So please yeah, feel as free we, to give as we as we described uh, previously we uh we met with two congressional staffers, two super bright uh young people. They encouraged us to do this and then we got an email a couple of days later giving us the leads in the House uh, Aviation Subcommittee saying send your you know the follow up to these people and copy us. So we feel that we passed a, a test. We're very proud of that, and uh, we're grateful for this opportunity. So we hope that this is taken seriously. And just as Dan said, with the additional uh, comments and the memos going in, that it's well reinforced. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, naive enough to think that the FAA watches all of our town halls. But if you are, stop being a bunch of goobers. <laughs> Just going to put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, those are the, the big the big points right now. So uh, quickly, I'm going to go through a couple of uh, interesting articles. Um, Unless anybody has any questions that. on that or anything else we should discuss. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank I guess you. we have spent almost the first half hour on that topic. But mm-hmm. It is a big topic, so it deserves some attention. Well, and here's the thing, too, and, and if you've got a question, please, you know, you can type it out, chime in, interrupt me. I'm cool with that. 
but here's the thing is that this is the primary point uh, of why we do what we do and interfacing with with both the community and the FAA to um, make sure that uh, we can all fly and that that's the super important part so I mean taking up the first half or even the entire town hall on this is not a big deal yeah and if we're if we're not representing the community well let us know if uh if this isn't isn't what we yeah if people don't want the limit raised they want it lowered let us know and let us know if we're wrong <laughs> all right well if you've got a comment drop it in there question drop it in there um and we'll as i'm going through some of this stuff um, I did want to shout out a couple of cool, interesting uh, articles. So this one comes from Hackaday. Um, I've I've had a couple articles from them, but this is an interesting uh, little device. So it's a EDF powered. Uh, uh, I can't call it a multi rotor, but I guess a a helicopter. <laughs> oh, what what is it when they they adjust helicopter. the direction of the the unicopter? Of the so this is thrust vector thrust vector that's it well yeah it's right there in the title yeah 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 <laughs> a thrust vectoring what monocopter well they're calling it a monocopter so I mean but uh, anyway so it's an EDF that uses thrust vectoring um, to maneuver the uh, monocopter uh, around so obviously. Um, the uh, the speed at which it maneuvers forward, backward, side to side is probably going to be a little limited. Um, I would imagine he, you know, when it drops down here, I think we probably need to expand some legs. But this dude, uh, let's see, this guy, uh, his name is Tesla Five Hundred. So uh, dubbed it the simul uh, simultaneously optimistic and fatalist fatalistic Icarus. It's really unique. The monocopter is built around a ninety. 90 millimeter electric ducted fan mounted vertically on a 3d printed shroud the shroud serves as a mounting point for the landing legs and for four servos that swivel veins within the rotor wash the veins deflect the airstream provide thrust vectoring that gives this little machine its control um <clears throat> i don't know why so... but it looks really cute <laughs> did he really does. name it did he really name it icarus yes that's funny yeah so it's not, uh... it's not there are no wax wings though <laughs> They already <laughs> melted. Mm -hmm. But uh, it says, thankly, thanks mainly to the strong gyroscopic force exerted by the rotor, Tesla 500 had a hard time getting the flight controller to cooperate. He built a gimbaled test stand to work the problem through and eventually rewrote Libre Pilot to deal with the unique forces on the craft and tune the PID loops accordingly. Cool. Um, cool. So thrust vectoring has been around for a while, uh, most notably uh, in, in terms of... Uh, advanced use of it the f-22 uh, utilizes thrust vectoring um, as well as a couple other aircraft i i'm not sure i think there's a, a mig that might use thrust vectoring as well but um yeah that's correct um and uh but definitely a unique way that gives uh, a massive advantage to those fighter planes um so uh yeah pretty cool i thought that was pretty neat <clears throat> so uh, i got two kind of opposing stories here one is um amazon's drone business struggles amid low demand and regulation issues <laughs> so um 
did I was curious. I I wasn't hundred yeah, percent sure if the F thirty five was thrust vectoring PV, but thank you. I appreciate that. I should know that they fly those out of uh, the Air Force Base right around here. Um, so uh, in a video obtained by CNBC, Amazon drone delivery head David Carbon was quoted as saying that Prime Air has recently kicked off durability and reliability testing, um, a key federal regulatory step for Amazon drones to have permission to fly safely over people in towns. Although this may seem like a promising step forward, the division has actually been struggling to take off as regulations and weak demand interfere with its progress. In January, yeah, a large... Is... To, to side with the, this is uh, unusual for me to side with Amazon. They've been trying to get type certification uh, approval from the AFA for, I think, over three years on the same aircraft. And, and type so certification what, means exactly what? It's, it is a, a formal um, testing and manufacturing. And so it's, it's testing everything and being able to prove that everything is manufactured and can be tracked and traced uh and then going through rigorous uh trials uh, and it's something like what a uh, commercial airline or airplane would have to go through right correct and it's become so difficult that designs in the united states don't change hence this is why a cessna 172 still looks like a cessna 172 from the 60s and the inside of it has changed, but the outward shell is still a Cessna 172. So what you're saying is not a good look. Difficult to get through FAA red tape. Yes. Mm, shocking. Also, you better believe there's going to be a bunch of stuff about these, uh, that, that red tape and the FAA reauth from these guys. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100% for sure. Yeah, and that was um in fact this, you know, two two points on that is there the uh CDA, the Commercial Drone um, Alliance uh with uh, uh Lisa Elman's uh Senate testimony was on this point and then there is a bill uh on this point that uh, is going through I believe the Senate uh which stipulates that the FAA will release uh a uh, an accelerated program uh, within six months after the approval of the bill to come up with a a process uh, to to quickly get type certification out for um, uh, AAM uh, air Mo advanced air mobility uh, yeah. craft. So hitting the AKA same target. Air taxis and large vehicles that yep. are doing deliveries. Yep. 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 And Thank and you. here's the here's the here's the rub is that you know it's funny that you know we've been we've been pushing through faa red tape i'm sure you know ever since the creation of the faa people have been pushing through red tape but now organizations like the commercial drone alliance google wing amazon air all these other companies are coming out and saying look it's too much there's too much red tape there are other countries in the world who are well accelerated past us um in terms of getting uh getting uh this this type of technology active and in the air um and serving the people serving the community um that it's almost become a, a point of of waste for companies to even attempt it and if we're we're not going to accelerate this progress then we're going to fall behind and we're going to fall behind big time well so, I, I might be wrong but i assume the faa is using all their same processes they've been using for 
decades for manned aircraft, and they're just sort of reapplying them to type certification of this delivery drone, and that makes things way more complicated than it needs to be. It slows things down. So much down. so that they recycle um, crude aviation uh, directives onto UAS. So, right. you know, there's there's no... I, I I don't know. Is there just no nobody with innovation that that works at the FAA? Okay, I I, I really apologize. I'm still not. Nobody solving. made a rule and said they had to do it. Right, That's... right. So, but I mean, here's the thing: is that we're still using technology in our air traffic management that's decades old, and which led to you know a massive shutdown a couple months ago that uh, costs a lot of money and costs a lot of people. <laughs> A whole lot of time and, and which wasn't and, even being uh, used anyway i mean i saw 100 pilots go like i never read no tams anyway you know what i mean right. it's like so there's so right. many issues it's it, they're layered issues you know yeah we've got and, i mean the notable more more incidents in the beginning of this year uh near near miss incidents in uh in airports uh, mm -hmm. uh between airliners uh this year than in uh, many previous years so yeah we're, yeah we're we're at a uh, crossing point with the faa they they yeah. need help Hundred percent. Um, so if uh, we let all the drone rules and regs just do CVOs and let CVOs take care of drone rules and regs, <laughs> CVOs are the experts. I mean, I mean, let, let let's just take the key point and and say CVOs probably are the subject matter experts, and you know at least take their opinions and and comments and communities into account, right? So. Um, anywho, so we're, we're still not salty. Um, well, wasn't that how it was that Airbus got in trouble because they, they made up, made their own, like they certified their own airplanes to say they're good or was it Boeing? I forget. I think it was Boeing. The Boeing plane. I think that was Boeing. That was the 737 Max. Yeah. The FAA yeah. just, you know, allowed them to say, yep, our airplane's good and, uh, believed them. Well, you yep. know, so. it's rubber stamping, right? <laughs> so sometimes it can go the yeah. other way. We don't see that anymore, do we? But who knows? Maybe it's because of that that they're so hard on other things, like drones instead. Yeah, could be. Yeah, with the best safety record. <laughs> right. So uh, to get back to this, in January, a large number of prime air workers uh, were let go as part of the largest round of layoffs in Amazon's history that saw more than 18,000 people axed. Yeah, it's a, it was over eighty percent of uh, Amazon Prime Air. So this yeah. this organization working on the uh, on their drones was decimated. And my almost, my heart goes out to anyone any group who's laid off. It it sucks. I'm I'm a pessimistic. I mean, even considering the next story we're going to talk about, I'm pessimistic about uh, this plan because it's the same plan that we're going to talk about in a minute, which is you're trying to deliver so far with so much weight. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure about feasibility with current technology. So it'll be interesting to see, like, if there's a way to overcome that. But, like, even if they get all the regulatory approvals, I really don't think that we're anywhere close to the amount of, you know, it's going to take so long of subsidizing this to get to a point where it's going to be profitable because the scale has to be so large to make money. Yeah, I, I don't consider your view uh, pessimistic, Plenty. I think you're on a very sensible point is where's the scale? Where's the monetization? How do you... How do you make a business out of this? And I think, and uh, we've uh, we've uh, seen we've all seen the uh, uh, Mark Rober is that his name? The, uh, mm -hmm. the zipline video, fantastic video. And there's a company that pressed on. Oh, what did they ship in uh, in Africa? Blood. Blood. 
and for you know genius you know a light you know smaller mass critically uh time sensitive and you know i i hope that they were you know finally subsidized uh to help uh the country there uh in rwanda you know brilliant company brilliant design tailored the engineering to the solution and used good logistics so yeah and you know right on target to what you're saying plenty would that have worked for package delivery in rural United States? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was attempted. I mean, there's a thing. Zipline has that in Texas. They have planes in Texas uh, yeah. that do a similar thing to the Rwanda planes. But I just don't... It's hard to judge feasibility. I don't know. I, I think it's difficult to see the end. Like, you know. Well, I mean, the hard part is, is like, you know, in certain areas and in key markets, I see that it could be possible. So as an example, in the Phoenix metro area, there's got to be six or eight Amazon warehouses here um, where maybe things around those areas could be delivered quickly via via drone. Right. Where they're coming direct from warehouse to to the consumer and back to warehouse kind of kind of situations. But in terms of rural, well, there's the UPS case with rural where they have it integrated into the truck. And so the truck driving down the driveways, the drone just goes from the truck down back and forth. Right. Just a very short trip. I mean, think of it from, I I mean, and this is where I come from, and I'm sure this is probably where Blunty is coming from, is, is that a person driving down the street is more apt to deliver more packages quicker than something that needs to be physically loaded, grab the package, mm-hmm. um, drop it off, fly back to the truck. Um, and at that, at that point, you know, at, at that point in time, the truck may have moved on, you know, a block down the street or two blocks or three miles down the street. And the UAS has to catch up to the truck and then, you know, be physically loaded you know, so on and so forth ad nauseum, uh, whereas a driver it has the capability of, you know, dropping that package off quicker, doesn't have the maintenance that uh, one of these one of these delivery drones would have, the, the constant uh, need for, you know, physical labor to load the drone, to launch the drone, all that kind of stuff. So it's just to me, it's just too early. I think I mm-hmm. think it's still too early. And I understand why companies are doing this. I just don't foresee them finding a profitable method here anytime soon you know mm-hmm. uh one thing as we come to the end of this story before we go to that next one i can call an audible here if we want to go into general chat I, sure i'll add a story this is also in the delivery vein wing has an idea that i think might work at least sort of um we talked about this on the news a little bit last night but wing is trying to do a system where they're like hey we're just going to buy a place and put a bunch of drones there and then if you want to use our drones, you can set up stations and then call the drones as a rideshare style service like Uber. So mm-hmm. like if, if you're a company who has like two slots out in your parking lot you can do, then your people will just go out and put the food out there and then the drone will come pick it up from your designated spot, go deliver it, and then go back to home base instead of you having to invest in drones, partner with companies, like uh, put space in your parking lots for like drone storage and like it, it, hopefully it subsidizes it out to everyone instead of being, you know, direct cost for each business is the idea there. Yeah. And this, this definitely makes a little more sense because it allows you to serve your immediate area. Right. And, you know, 
Um, and, it and seems at least more the... feasible to me, like because you can then at least if you can get enough partners, that's low. It's low. Um, it's low risk to those people, right? Wing was already trying to do the thing where you like roll up a, um, like a a shipping crate, like a shipping container, and mm -hmm. then they would like roll out a bunch of drones, and then you would have like a mobile base of drones from there. But this seems like just a better version of that. If we can find a piece of land or people who want to rent a rooftop or whatever, we can literally just station everything centrally and then sort of uh, make it way less burden and cost on the people who would be getting that shipping container. Instead, you're literally just as much as you need, you get. You're not right. taking any more drone than you need. And then it's just about supply and demand for those drones and the value to the people. But I definitely, to me, it seems way more feasible. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I mean, individual companies won't be absorbing the costs of research, development, implementation, yeah. all that stuff. It's more they're just paying for the service, and hopefully, the service is priced in a way that makes it feasible it, for. The way I think about it is, if the Uber doesn't make it, you're not. You just get out of the Uber and you call another Uber. You know what right. I mean? Like I don't. I'm not worried about the car that the Uber's in or anything when I call an Uber. And right. in the same way, I think it's much easier as a business if like, oh, they just I'm didn't make the delivery. I make it up to the customer and they pay me back for the delivery. They didn't make it. And then that's that. I don't have to worry about the drone or where it went or where it landed. Or, you know, you all deal with that. That's your job. Right. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, a, a better approach. If, uh, again, if the money all works out. Yeah. yeah. If Yeah. But... I mean, if we're not taking, to... you know, a loaf of bread and charging $15 for the loaf of bread just to get it delivered by drone, right? Yeah, I think they mentioned that the goal here is to get those cheap deliveries like we've already seen from Walmart, Zipline, and mm -hmm. Wing, um, and other and... places like that, $2 two to $5 range, you know, which is like, seems incredibly low, but uh, I don't know, it's what they've been targeting, so... So yeah, I mean, just interesting that there's there's low demand. Uh, we know that Zipline. Uh, we've talked about Zipline before. Um, they have uh, done a lot of uh, different things to kind of expand their system. Um, they utilize not so much multi rotors, um, but they utilize uh, uh, fixed wings that they launch off essentially a catapult and send out. Um, they started out in Africa delivering vaccines, delivering blood, um, and getting that thing out to those rural communities quickly to to help those communities. And, and now they, they've partnered up with uh, Walmart to do some, some of their delivery there. But, you know, they, they are actively seeking out um, customer feedback uh, and developing new ways of doing things, including uh, creating quieter propellers um, so that there's not the noise burden um, uh, in the communities that they're serving. So um, I don't have that Mark Rober video, but... I've got um, it. I, can, I can at least post it in the chat for you. There uh, we go. But yeah. I yeah, would definitely uh, recommend... Rober. Go ahead, Monty. Yeah, Mark Rober made a video uh, just going through. Um, basically, to me, it looked like more like the concept. They should the deliveries in Rwanda, which they've been doing and kind of cover pretty well. Um, and then they cover the new concept, which is the P2Zip. It's basically a multi-rotor slash wing thing. And then it attaches to a droid, which is like a little robot thing that can fly on its own. It'll nest that inside of itself, get to the zone, and then drop that little droid down, and the droid will do a local delivery, sort of like we talked about the UPS. Mm -hmm. Trucks would send out a drone, and then it would come back. This is like a drone doing that 
uh, modular sending out. Mm -hmm. um, and they showed new propellers in the video, which were like wishbone propellers. They essentially look like uh, one short stubby part and then two long parts coming out, sort of like a Y. Um, and that's what they're saying is the new technology that makes them way more silent. They're changing mm -hmm. the frequency and the tip vortices and stuff. Um, in the video, they said the drone, the frame they were flying was 50 pounds. It's hard to tell if that's accurate in the video or not. But if that's the case, it's way more silent than a one-pound drone. It'll be interesting to see what flight characteristics are like, um, mm -hmm. how it can get around and stuff. They're promising a 10-mile delivery range, which is five miles one way and five miles back, and I believe six to eight pounds um, uh, in the little droid that they would carry with it. So it'll be interesting to see. They didn't show that working. They didn't show the droid dropping. They didn't show the droid loaded on the drone or flying it anywhere. It's all concept pictures and uh, images and stuff but they say they're going to do like a, a million deliveries this year so i don't know it'll be interesting to see where this all ends up yeah and you know with the uh money that that walmart has to to help finance this development i'm sure in, in their partnership is, is definitely helping so yeah uh, they made a deal with another company like a big green micro or greens company or something as well like they're making deals with different companies to uh mm -hmm. to like sort of plan ahead and try to get you know this stuff going ahead of time like hey we'll do all your deliveries and we're to subsidize them and we'll figure it out you know sort of thing yeah so definitely uh uh, uh you know two different stories and, and two different successes and um you know it, it'll be interesting to see what what becomes feasible i mean zipline had a process that worked in africa um and you know if that process can can be eff as effective here um uh, even with with uh, changes coming uh it would be interesting to see who kind of you know we've got a, a delivery race right <laughs> so I mean, a, uh, like we said there's a lot of problems to solve right there is mm -hmm. a cost issue just in general there is a range issue there's a weight issue there's a sound issue, you know, there, there's a lot of different problems here, regulatory issues in general for, for approval. But if they're, if they can figure out like the sound piece, I think that's extremely important because there's a ton of bad press from this stuff on sound. So if that's there right. is ever going to be a value piece and like all these other pieces fit, then the sound piece has to be figured out and they have to stop getting bad press from people going, I hate these drones flying over my house. Please get rid of the test area that you're just now testing. Like it's the worst news in the world for people to hear like, already the test markets are angry you know so yeah and that that's the case here in phoenix as well with uh yeah. I, I think it's with the drone up deliveries that are here um you know the communities are just like ah it's noisy it's you know it's an invasion of privacy it's ruining my my ability to enjoy my home you know stuff like that right. which are all valid cases these are these are the same reasons why the the FAA and, and local airports get flack for changing flight paths, right? So um, it, it, it's, you know, a very similar story. But I think the first step is, is the company listening to the communities. And the next, well, maybe even that's step two. But step one is the FAA expediting, um, you know, type certification processes and, and the capability for these companies to do what they need to do to um either test this and and come to a success or failure point or to to basically say look we we want to do this we want to have the capability to do this how do we cut the red tape so that we can prove to you we can do it safely and and, and move forward from there so 
I mean, if you're making a legitimate product, the, the barrier shouldn't be regulatory. It should be yeah. uh, all the rest of the pieces. Fix right. the rest of it. Make it a viable business. And if it's a yeah. viable business and it's safe and you've done all the other things, then you shouldn't be caught in regulatory spaghetti. Red you tape. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so. uh, Josh, to change the subject back up, mm -hmm. uh, Dan has copied in a, a, a question from uh, Ed Will on YouTube asking, uh, what about the current proposed bills like... Uh, Drone Act of 2023, is that going to be incorporated in the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2023? Um, I, I, would the, I, I think the answer to that is, I think it depends. Uh, mm -hmm. It depends on the, pop, on the popularity or the, how much uh, energy and how, much, how many, um, in this case, senators are behind a bill. Uh, the Drone Act of uh, 2023 is showing 2% chance of uh, passing, and it's uh, not even into uh, the Aviation Subcommittee. So it was proposed by five senators outside the committee f to be put into a committee. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And the same bill was proposed last year also by Senator Grassley. Um, so uh, that one in particular... Um, just looking, just looking at you know the current odds and the current you know uh, what we can research about it, doesn't does not look like a lot of the uh, content of that uh, act will find its way into the reauthorization bill. It's also going after a different type of, um, you know, it's going after uh, laws of the land, not uh, mandates for the FAA. There are a number of other. Uh, bills uh, that are going through, uh, I referenced, uh, that cites uh, AUVSI. So some, some yes, some no. So it really is a. It's the. It depends, and it depends how you know, who's behind it and how many uh, representatives are behind it. So good question. Thank you, Ed. So even 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 more to the point, we don't know at this point what's going to go into the Reauthorization Act, and there are some things that. Um, where language might be fitted in and from from some of these various uh, bills or suggestions there I'm sure the the commercial drone uh, alliance is uh, working probably similar process to what we are to get information added into that to to move on to uh, get that 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 regulatory spaghetti as Bunty put it which is a great great idea um uh minimized uh this one right here this is the increasing competitive uh competitiveness for american drones act of 2023 this is that same thing that that we've been talking about i know that uh lisa elman recently went to congress and testified in front of uh the aviation subcommittee uh on this particular subject um uh, i think i covered it in a couple weeks ago but um and there's a there's a great write-up on the thing she said uh, i think on the cda page and she makes a lot of sense and it's funny because when we first started this whole ordeal with the fpvfc you know commercial drone alliance were you know the, the the bad guys right but i think we're all aiming for the same thing is the capability to utilize uas and, and drones for uh, the things we want to utilize them for without all the regulatory red tape. And there's there's a market for it to a certain extent. There's a capability for it. And certainly in the recreational community, there's a benefit for it, uh, whether that's 
just getting out and having fun and enjoying life through FPV, through through flying, or learning something, you know, like a, a STEM program in, in class, um, or even just you know working your way towards getting a a, a private pilot's license. Um, these are all key things that uh, create jobs in the in the aviation uh, community and continue to push innovation. Um, you know, that, that's a key point of, of, of moving mankind on is innovation. <laughs> and, you know, by, by stifling that, it, it's just, it's, we're, we're literally shooting ourselves in the foot. So, but uh, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Ed did thank us for the, that answer uh, a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he also replied saying he contacted his senator who gave him a number to his staff member on tra transportation so I can speak to him about the issues we are facing with the FAA, which sounds Excellent. great. Yeah. yeah. DOD, that's the right organization. As we we've, we've you, mentioned you, before. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Bunty. You were just going to say the same thing. If you if you need any assistance with that uh, phone call, if you want to be briefed before it, if you want us to be on it, um, all those things are 100% possible, and we'd love to help you. Um, so please reach out to any of us through the Discord, through YouTube, through emails. Um, uh, we all have emails at fbvfc.org, uh, you know, Blunty and et cetera, all the other guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, please reach out, and we'd love to help you if, uh, if you're at all interested so we can make sure we get the right information over to them you can be briefed as much as you you know make sure you know the topic properly and all that kind of stuff so 100 mm -hmm. all right so i'm going to open it up uh uh dave you got anything else this evening um uh, busy um not much uh not much i can add uh, to what we've already uh, discussed all right Alex, we got anything going on? Um, not much. We have uh, there's some. Well, the GQ was announced. I guess that's pretty big. AK's track won for a third year in a row, so three peat for the oh, yeah. global qualifier track. Different track, uh, different track though, right? He, yes, he's different not track. Submitting the same track. <laughs> I think. Do you yeah, know the no. total number of votes, Alex? I think to post it was like over four hundred or something. I don't oh, know good. the total number. I didn't look or ask yeah definitely but, more than last year though I'm yes like, it was much more than last year um yeah and I, I think that has to do with our with multi gp's new marketing person who's been really pushing stuff out there i was gonna say i don't i don't know who that's uh i shouted him out on the news too but i'll say it here too i uh, i complained about multi gp last year i bitched uh, directly to chris thomas and a couple other people and uh, I don't have any idea what it was related to, but this year they've been killing it. I mean, literally destroying it as far as like new website, yeah. posts for every event, dates for everything, planning ahead, Facebook posts, uh, double, yeah. triple, quadruple announcement things. I mean, it's been great. I mean, it's great to see. I mean, it's wonderful yeah. to see. So, A lot of back-end work that's finally getting out there and reorganization that's working. So. Great. Yeah, it uh, makes a great. big difference. Along, it's along with what we, you know, when we talked about the new website and all the spec leagues, they were the, you know, that mm -hmm. got officially joined with MultiGP, and uh, yeah, it's just really cool to see that because MultiGP should be the face of FPV racing, and it, uh, yeah, they need to embrace all that stuff, and they definitely have. So it's wonderful to see that. Yep. The, the I guess the next April's 
pretty soon and uh, got some big events coming up then for multi-GP at least. We, I think we have three big events in April. Uh, we have the Collegiate Championships, the first and the second. We have Mayhem, the 14th through 16th. And then we have Ice Storm, which I think is 20, not, around the 29th. I don't remember the exact dates, but it's the towards the very end of April. But packed April for a lot of racing. And cool. Street League also has a couple of races, I believe, in April. One at okay. uh, Edgewater, and I think uh, following that in uh, Miami, I believe. Or somewhere near also, South in South just, Florida. Just throwing it out there because I don't know that people have been following it. Um, uh, oh, what's it called? MLDR, Major League uh, Run Racing, has their okay. first race in May, I believe, which is uh, supposed to be a real race that happens in person. So it'll be the first thing they've ever like officially done. Nice. So, That's awesome. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, how all that all goes. And a lot of build up. So far, that. it's a. So far, it's just a big, it's a website, a bunch of people talking, and a bunch of people that are on, uh, you know, have a bunch of jerseys and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see it all come together. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Dan, you got anything for us this evening? Nope. Just uh, hard at work on that video and trying to spread the word and get it as popular as possible and all that stuff. <laughs> trying, right. to, trying to go viral, which is, yeah, you can't do that on purpose, but good luck. <laughs> Run it as an ad. <laughs> We need your help to go viral. Dan Dan really needs your help. He worked very hard. Everybody worked very hard on that video. Who can, um, we, who can we buy a cameo of and then make a viral TikTok with a cameo of somebody? Just use AI to generate the whole thing. There you go. We don't actually need to get the people to say anything. We just get AI to say it for us and upload their there voice, deepfake someone else, oh, deepfake one of us, and we'll, we'll be golden. And I don't oh, know what the best... Thing we could do here is like, um, how can all the people that are in the video help us the most? Um, can they talk about it on their channels? Can they reshare it? Can they do Instagram or something to help boost the signal as much as possible? Yep. All right. So, um, thank you, everybody. Blunty, I'll give you the last word tonight. Anything? Uh, no, I'm good. I think we, all uh, right. Yeah, I think it was a good meeting and we came right into our hour. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll keep you updated on, on some of these topics from the FAA. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys in a, another couple of weeks. Um, and again, I, somebody needs to make a meme of this. I'm not salty. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, right. uh, good night. We'll, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Later, guys. All right, bye.